1: Hi, it's Dan from Desert Island Dicks. Today we have Jamie Windust on the podcast. Jamie does all kinds of things. They are writer, editor, model and public speaker and very funny person as well. So I hope you'll enjoy this. Normally, uh, at this point, I give a nice, well... A plea, I suppose, to to like and subscribe and um, give us a rating and that sort of thing. But if you listen at the end, Jamie does that for us. So That's very kind of them. Um, So we'll just get straight into it, shall we? Here we go. It's Desert Island Dicks with Jamie Windust. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest. And here to share their Desert Island dicks with us today is editor, writer, model, public speaker, and much more besides, Jamie Windust. How are you doing?
0: Hello, my love. Do you know what? I'm good. I love the premise. It's very unique. Never heard <laughs> of anything like this before. No, it's it's uh it's good. Thanks for having me. I'm ready to uh, to tear all of my choices
1: apart. <laughs> good, good. You have a, a quiet confidence that uh, that is, you're exuding that uh, makes me think that you know you're quite adept at this kind of uh, uh, this kind of thing.
0: Yes, I um, I don't know, if cynical is the right word. Maybe <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad first impression for anyone who's listening, um, but. Yes, I, I'm i very clear on what I like and what I don't like. And it's very, do you know what, that's probably the easiest thing I did all day when you asked me to choose. I said, <laughs> right, off we go. Went through the facts of hate. And uh, yeah, here we are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing um, who you're going to choose. So we can just get straight into it then. Who's going to be the first person joining you on the island?
0: I'm going to go with Ginny Lemon off of RuPaul's Drag Race purely because I have a love-hate relationship with Ginny. I know her, I love her a lot. However, we look exactly the same. And she describes herself as, in in her own words, a fat Jamie Windust, which I believe is her unique selling point. Um, so just because it would be unbearable to have someone on the island who looks exactly like me and is essentially a, a an insight into my future... I would have to say, Ginny. I couldn't. I wouldn't want to look at what I'm going to look like <laughs> in in you know twenty plus years. It would it was it would really
1: set the tone. <laughs> I mean, if if Ginny's a larger version of you, I mean, being stuck on a desert island together, there's every chance Ginny might lose weight, and then
0: you know then they're going to look more similar to you. Precisely, and then it's just more competition. You know, <laughs> the, the the one distinguishing factor will then cease to exist will be the exact same um she's northern mm. which is always a laugh i feel like that could be quite quite fun on an island but it would also get quite annoying not that i despise northerners um <laughs> i love the north but i do find it slightly hilarious their tone and their inflection on all things <laughs> Um, So that could get grating. She also loves Worcester sauce, which I think is the devil's sauce. (laughs) So, yeah, lots, lots to choose from there as to why she would not be a good guest on the island.
1: Yeah. Now, I imagine as well, like, you know, you're saying you're good friends, you get on well. But, you know, in under the pressures of island life and survival, anyone can rub each other up the wrong way. And, you know, obviously someone who's competed in RuPaul's Drag Race, I imagine, is elite level shade thrower. Correct. So I imagine, you know, if it comes to a fallout, you know, it's going to be like the words
0: are going to be very barbed and very quick. Yeah. It's going to be a battle of the wit, I think. It's going to be very quick. She actually famously got to the the lip sync of the show and walked out and, and refused to play. So maybe you know on the island, who knows? It could be in my favour. She could just piss off. She could be like, "It's you not. Know I'm done. Bye." <laughs> and I'd win if it is a competition island. Is it, are we? Has anyone ever taken it to that? Am I taking um, it too
1: far? No, I mean you're you're welcome to treat it any way you want. It's not. I mean, it's more just a a, a brutal game of survival I suppose and you know if you want to survive together with with your um, compatriots then that's totally fine Um, if you need to take any of them out I don't know who the other choices are but you know if there's some that you want to kill or dispatch that's that's up to you you know it's it's an island of your own making so you know it'll be interesting to see how you get on
0: it would be interesting and I think adding in my second choice who is on that level of dispatch it's a great word to use is uh, is Rishi Sunak. Okay. Someone who's colloquially known as Dishi Rishi. Yeah, yeah. And how do you feel about that? It does produce a slight amount of bile <laughs> in some area of my body. Um, <laughs> yes, he is coming on the island just purely as someone for us to all crucify. And <laughs> almost like a, a court jester, someone for us to slightly laugh at. He's very tiny, um, famously likes to carry wagamamas. Hmm. Um, And, yeah, I don't know why I chose him, but I think he would be good, almost like a good little... He reminds me of, uh, you know, in Castaway, Hmm. I think he would be like Wilson, just something we could draw (laughs) a face on and and keep in the corner.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think Rishi Sunak's an interesting one because he's sort of... When he kind of emerged, everyone, you know, like you said, dishy-rishy, and then it, there was a picture where he was lined up with everyone and everyone realised he was tiny and everyone kind of went, oh, oh, okay, all right, that's taken the, taken the shine off him a little bit. And also I think he seems slightly more acceptable than the others at the moment as we're recording this. Who knows what's going to happen next? <laughs> but as we record, you know, he seems all right, but... I mean, he is still, like, a front-bench Conservative, so, you know, it's going to be very difficult to trust him. Like, as I say, we don't know what's going to happen. We're recording sort of early February. Boris Johnson is still the Prime Minister. But there's sort of, like, little inklings that Rishi's, like, maybe, like, getting ready for a power play. And, you know, I I think just because he sort of seems a bit more calm and easygoing than some of the others, I don't think, you know, you could trust him.
0: I don't think you could trust him, considering that he lives in number Eleven. And I know for a fact that he looks like the type of person that would have the glass up to the wall <laughs> of Boris Johnson's flap getting the, get the hot glass mm. to you to put in his back pocket. Like you say, yes, at time of record, Boris Johnson is the Prime Minister. But yet there's been rumblings that that Rishi would sneak in. And I do enjoy watching him on the telly be uh, almost quite smug, kind of like, oh, no, what, me? I would, ne- I would never uh, think about um, doing that. Whereas I know most likely by the time this goes out, which you know the speed of politics at the moment, he'll be running the world. Um, so yes, he's um, he is very tiny. Although that's a bad thing. But mm. that briefcase, that red briefcase, is also very large. So it's not proportionate. Makes him look <laughs> absolutely tiny. Maybe on the island, he could help out with our. With with the finances, if that ever, but, you know, if we suddenly find hidden cash mm. on the island, he could help divvy it up. Yeah. I could be furloughed for a week on
1: the island. <laughs> I think, though, with him, because he's, he's in charge of all the money, but he's also, I think he's one of the richest members of Parliament, isn't he? He's, like, married to a, a billionaire, an heiress of a billionaire. So... I mean, in terms of sort of knowing what the average person needs and wants, he might be slightly out of touch. And I think when you get to the island, I think it's going to be a special shock for him. That's true.
0: I mean, who knows? It could be his island. Yeah, yeah. I would not be surprised if we all get there and suddenly we realise, oh, this is Sunak, Mm. Rishi's Isle. Yeah, he is. I remember reading that about his family and being like, Christ alive. So there's a lot of money. (laughs) <laughs> Lots of money. I mean, maybe maybe I do want him on the island for that reason. Could bail
1: us out. But then, I mean, because if you think if you had that much money, you'd surely be used to kind of being able to make a lot of problems disappear quite quickly or just sort of go, well, you know, I'll just throw money at it. It's gone. I don't know if it lends itself to being the most practical person. And, you know, what with being quite a small guy? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe he'll be quick and nimble when you have to, like, catch a forest pig running through the middle of the island. But, you know, in terms of sort of building shelter and felling trees, I mean, I don't know. Very true, yes. I could see him scrambling up
0: a tree quite quickly to get a coconut. However, yeah. (laughs) Could he fell a tree? Could he sail a boat or some makeshift raft? Mm. I doubt it. Maybe I would accidentally mistake him for a raft. (laughs) Or, I mean, I just would love to see him in Jenny Lemongale. I think that would be an absolute hope. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have to hold my hands up here. I mean,
1: I don't know why I'm being fair, but I mean, I couldn't fell a tree or build a raft either. So you know, also, I don't know why I have to be fair to members of the front bench Conservative Party. So fuck him, mm. <laughs> him and yeah, him and Ginny Lemon is it's weird. Like we don't really know enough about him to know how awkward he'd be around someone like that. Yeah, I mean, there's people like you think, Ginny Lemon and you know Boris Johnson or, or um. Pretty Patel you can imagine would just clash instantly or Nadine Dorries or someone like that <laughs> you know that would just be unbearable um Sunak he's managed to be a slight unknown and and um I imagine there's more bad hiding behind that than good
0: yes he's incredibly like awkward which I think almost like how Boris is can come across as a bit of a clown it, it acts as like a facade so you don't really know who they are, but you kind of are like, oh, that's sweet, isn't it? But with Rishi, I, I agree. You don't know a lot about him other than he's one of the richest men in the country and he's tiny <laughs> and he lives next door to the prime minister, which, no, I don't trust him. I feel like he's scary. And although hearing you say about Nadine Dorries, maybe I should have brought her in because I still can't believe that we are, no one in the public news is discussing that she was an MP. And then went on I'm a celeb <laughs> and is now minister for culture. And I don't believe that that's how that trajectory works. <laughs> I don't think you you go on I'm a celeb and then revamp your career into running part of the country. However, she may be good for the island. So she'd be my wild card. She'd be like on big brother when halfway through they add in someone new, Nadine <laughs> Doris. It's just in the
1: wings. Yeah. I think what they do with her, they think you're going to be a puppet. You'll sort of vote for anything that I say. So I'll give you something. Culture, because you can sort of fuck about with like grants and shit, but you just make sure I can wheel you out for a disastrous interview now and again.
0: It's actually slightly, um, it's more the most toe curling presence on the television I've witnessed in a while. It's like, the conversations online the discourse as it were is almost as if she's secret again this is alleged this is just my opinion that she's secretly having some form of sexual liaison with the prime minister or that they're in some form of unbridled secret romance because he could say oh I've accidentally burnt down big Ben and she'd be like wow that's so beautiful I love it thank you thank you so much um very bizarre. Mm. A very bizarre one. you know what? After you describing that whole front bench, a very bizarre bizarre bench. Yeah. I would not like to witness that in real life. No. They're all very short.
1: <laughs> They're just I just think very strange people. I think Nadine Doris, I find I I think I'm yet to watch an entire interview with her because I get about sort of a third of the way through and it's like, I just can't handle this anymore. It's just, it's too much. And I like awkward comedy, you know, like, you know, I like things that are sort of a bit toe curly and awkward, but when it's real life and you're an actual politician, it's just, uh, <laughs> I just want to pretend none of it exists, you know.
0: It would be like now if I, if you asked me, who would I put on the island? And I said, why? <laughs> She just, she just is always like, "Why, why are you asking me that?" Yeah, it's like, Babe, "That's what you're there for." Um My final person mm. is someone who I don't actually know a lot about, but the second I saw him and heard his voice, it provoked, it provoked quite a visceral reaction. <laughs> of, I'm not sure I like this man, um, <laughs> and it is Lewis Capaldi.
1: Okay, so singer songwriter Lewis Capaldi.
0: Yes, and. I think it's the crux of it. Normally, I quite like it when people, like famous people, let's say, for example, Adele, right? Mm. She's famous and she's quite silly. Yeah. She's quite down to earth. She's quite, you know, she's quite, comes across as quite normal, kind of being like, oh, wow, wow, you know, quite funny. Lewis does the same thing, but for some reason, I find it unbearably embarrassing. <laughs> And I know that's the point, but like, no. I also don't have time for, uh, this is going to sound quite harsh, but I don't mind. This won't come as a surprise to people who know me a bit, is I don't have time for famous men who, when they get very famous, still continue to wear jeans <laughs> in professional settings. <laughs> that's that's a big red line for me. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because he sort of seems a bit, from what I know of him, slightly dual personality. Because it's so if he got a lot of attention, because he'd have a bit of a Twitter spat with one of the Gallagher's or something, and be a bit like, oh, he's quite fun, but his music's quite sort of sort of down tempo. Or he'll kind of joke about or sort of, oh, let's have an, you know, be playing a concert and go, oh, let's have an hour of of sad songs or something. You know, he'll be quite sort of pissed take out of himself. But it's like. Mm. Well, yeah, but it's like when James Blunt, people oh, James Blunt's so funny on Twitter. And it's like, well, that, that makes me like him more, but his output is still shit. And I have to, you know, he is an artist in inverted commas, so I have to judge him on that. It's like when people sort of go, oh, but Nigel Farage is probably all right if you went to the pub with him. And you think, well, even if that was true, which I doubt, you know, you've got to judge someone on their output, you know, what they're putting into the world. And it's like, I'm, you know, that makes me like him more, but this is your product and it
0: I don't like it. It makes me sad. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah. I mean, the thing that actually, I'm almost maybe the opposite hmm. in that he's one of those people that I heard the song. And I was like, wow, what a lovely little song that is, but didn't know who it was. So I'm an avid BBC Radio 2 listener. Mm-hmm. I have it on all hours of the day. It is my dream to be on the Radio too, in some capacity, maybe during the traffic. And he's one of those people that they play all the time. Mm. But I never knew who it was. And then when I found out who it was, I went and looked into him and then was like, oh, I actually don't mind your output, but your personality doesn't correspond. Kind of like James Blunt Mm. or I guess me sometimes. I'm quite dry. I can be quite funny on the internet, but also a lot of my work can be quite serious, which sometimes people don't understand. So... Yeah, that's what jars me. Is I'm like, you need to, I'm not, I'm not fooling for it. Who are you trying to convince, please? <laughs> he also likes to pull lots of funny faces. That's a big no-no for me.
1: <laughs> I remember Joss Stone used to do that. Like she, every picture was her. She'd always stick her tongue out. I mean, surely you would run out of funny faces. I
0: don't know. <laughs> exactly. And also I don't want to be getting on the Northern line and see someone making lots of double chins. <laughs> On a massive poster <laughs> at every single station. Yes, it's slightly funny the first time because you are like, oh, look, that's funny. Mm. But then <laughs> when he's doing it in every, every single picture on the internet, I don't appreciate Although I did enjoy referencing that Liam Gallagher spot because he he's a close second for going on the island. I actually watched the Brits last night at time of record. He was on there. Guess what he was wearing? Gene on stage at the o2 yeah i mean talk about having one
1: photo um i mean liam gallagher and like sticking his fingers up it's like yeah we get it like you can be rude now (laughs) It's it's not the edgiest thing to do it's like flicking the v's or like giving someone the finger like all right, Liam Gallagher. I think it's probably just like a um, Pavlovian response. Now someone goes, Oh Liam!" and he's like, and just sticks his fingers up. Like it's, he doesn't. He's not. He's no longer in control of it. It's not his
0: fault, I suppose. No. The second he hears that bell, <laughs> he's off. He yeah. was was wearing a deer stalker hat. Interesting. You know, like with the ears. Yeah, the Sherlock Holmes kind of. Yeah, and I just no.
1: <laughs> Um, I mean, Lewis Capaldi on the island then as well. I mean, I suppose he has the per, the potential to be quite fun, but he also has the potential to just sit there writing quite maudlin songs as well. Mm. I feel like
0: I'd be on eggshells with him on the island. I'd be like, are you going to be really sad because of the songs you've just spent all day writing in the sand? Or are you going to be pulling a funny face at dinner when we try and catch a pig? Yeah. I, I don't need that tension.
1: Yeah. I mean, it might be that we're just sort of watching someone who suffers from a, some, some kind of multiple personality disorder or something. And we're just going, God, you're funny one minute and you're making sad love songs the next. Pull yourself together, man. <laughs> and when we find out, I shall issue a full and
0: frank apology. Thank you very much. And it's very true. It's like who who is one thing all the time? I'm sure after this, you're an absolute part of shit
1: i mean well after after i like stop hosting a podcast where we
0: slag people off yeah yeah i'm sure you're absolutely lovely <laughs> so yes those are my those are my uh that's my trio
1: yeah okay well i think we've got some interesting people in there and i think there'll be a, a fairly interesting interplay between the three characters there All right, Jamie. Now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the
0: world. What are they and why? Now, it's a lovely question. We're going to start off with food. Mm -hmm. I don't know why this was in the cargo. (laughs) Maybe we were going to Turkey, but it was (laughs) Turkish delight.
1: Turkish delight. Okay. And are we talking... Cause obviously you've got the sort of the type you get in a news agent in chocolate in the sort of pink wrapper. And then there's the sort of kind that looks like a bit like a sort of a square jelly baby in <laughs> like way too much powdered sugar. Uh, are we taking the whole, every, every kind the whole genre of Turkish
0: delight? The whole genre. And I have two very specific points on that. It is the worst thing that could ever be eaten, but the, On both of those scenarios, the incredible amount of powdered sugar or the weird chocolate, it's the outer casing that makes it even worse because biting into chocolate and then going into jelly Mm. is an odd sensation. Much like when you bite into the powdered sugar, it's almost like when uh, (laughs) when you breadcrumb a chicken and you put the flour on first Imagine I then just bit into it. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, yes, lots of things. Don't even get me started on the taste. It, I mean, I don't mind a floral note on a dish, potentially, but I do not want to eat the what feels like I'm just chewing on a bath bomb, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you feel about
1: Turkish delight? I think the first time I had the proper stuff, I was happy that it wasn't the, the stuff in, in chocolate. But then after that relief wore off, I realized that it still wasn't very nice,
0: you know? <laughs> I remember once at Halloween when I went sugar treating, an old man gave me a bag of Turkish Delight, but I didn't open it. Like a proper, like, slightly terrifying old man in a brown paper bag, just Turkish Delight. And I didn't realize, I didn't know what it was until I got home. And that, was My first memory of it, and it was dreadful. I don't understand it for me. It's a texture thing, as you'll find out shortly in my drink. Texture in food is a big one. Things like porridge can't eat it, bread sauce, I'd rather die. Anything that's a bizarre texture, yeah, combined with a very bizarre. It's we're going back to dual personalities. <laughs> your texture needs to match your flavor, and that goes for people as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think Turkish delight very much feels like one
1: of those sort of confections that it's like it's we're in the year 2022 now and this still exists but there are better things and I think even in Turkey they know that. I you know, I think they're selling it and producing it for sort of people on holiday. And maybe if you go around to a Turkish grandmother's house, she might have some. But Those Turkish grandchildren know that there's better stuff out there. They're kind of going, oh, Nan's still eating the fucking (laughs) delight. They'll just call it delight, I suppose. (laughs) It's like rich tea biscuits. Like, what? Like, you can get good biscuits now. We don't need them anymore. Whoa. Do you disagree about rich tea biscuits?
0: Now, I do agree with the sentiment on a rich tea. Yes, there are. It's essentially sweet paper, isn't it, Mm, really? Yeah. Um, But I do agree that we have moved on. However, I do enjoy maybe it's the ritualistic element of a rich tea. I do enjoy the Sunday afternoon dunk, thank you, okay. of a rich tea. <laughs> um, but I do agree, things have changed. I wonder if Turkey they know about like cream eggs. That's I'm obviously joking. <laughs> but like there must be new things they they could create as a as a heritage dish. Um maybe what about lemon? If it was lemon-flavoured, maybe I'd like it. I think it. I've
1: had some lemon-flavoured ones. like. Uh, but, it, again, it's, sort of, it's still sort of perfumed in a way. It's like a lemon-perfume taste. I don't know. Mm. But, I mean, maybe there's people sitting over in Turkey and they've come to England and they're like, what the fuck is that Yorkshire pudding thing? It's just like air on a... Like, what the fuck is this thing? It's like, it's not... Is it a biscuit? It's not a cake? What is this thing? So true. But yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, what are you going to try and wash down the Turkish delight with? What's your drink choice? Now,
0: going back to textures, Mm -hmm. we're going with bubble tea. Now, this isn't any specific flavour. It is purely because of the texture. Now, for those unaware of this cult phenomenon, um, how would you describe it? It's basically just like juice. I don't even understand because sometimes it's milk. This is what we're talking about. So sometimes it's sort of like
1: a weak tea, with lots of very milky tea. Sometimes it's more of a kind of, yeah, like a fruity juice drink. And they are, uh, I believe they're tapioca balls. So a sort of consistency of something like frog spawns, like a slippery balls, <laughs> which which vary in size quite a great deal, don't they? Sometimes they're quite big. Sometimes they're sort of the size of, God, what's, what, what's comparable? Like, like a malwam. Yeah. Sometimes they're big, yeah. Sometimes they're tiny, like the beanbag balls that you get, the little polystyrene balls in the beanbag. And they come with a very wide straw so that you can just drink and scoop up these huge balls at the same time. Yes. And I just find it, like my wife really likes him, and, and I just find them such a baffling experience because you drink it but all these balls like shooting up the straw and it's like look what the what the fuck is happening here
0: yeah this is what i do it's too it's sensory overload it's like am i i just want to drink if if i was drinking a cup of tea and then suddenly i slurped up the bag i'd be livid Mm. so i I just don't understand so many questions that's a good one the second question i always have is are the because the because it's tea, I always think that the bu- the tapioca bubbles or balls are like are they infusing? Is that where the flavor is? I think it's just for texture. I think it's just, people just want the texture. I don't think they're adding flavor. See, so that is okay. Well, that has made it even worse because they have no purpose other than to provide a mild choking hazard.
1: Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like if if the if the idea was that you started off with a drink and you got this big straw and you tipped in a little sachet of bubbles or balls i don't again like they're not bubbles they're balls if you <laughs> tipped those into the massive straw and then they reacted with the liquid did something exciting made bubbles and flavored the drink i could okay that's a fun thing you know there's a bit there's a bit of alchemy there there's a bit of surprise <laughs> a bit of like I don't know, novelty. Yeah. But no, it's just, and it's not even that you drink the drink and then you sort of scoop up the balls afterwards that have soaked up any flavour. It's just, you're supposed to just sort of drink them and have them shoot up into your mouth. And it's like,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, someone's going to edit a, a very uh, uh, explicit version of this this conversation. But I mean, it's... It's true. It's, um, the other thing is, there was, I don't know, I haven't been into Soho in so long, but I used to work in Soho. And it felt like there was one year where just there was in in the one little square, like everything, there was a, there was too many bubble tea shops. And there was a really nice Vietnamese cafe I used to get my lunch from and that became a bubble tea shop. And I was like, there's one over there. I can see the next bubble tea shop from this one. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? This
0: is what baffles me is, uh, again, a, a, almost like a secondary reason why I dislike bubble tea is that, it is so popular that when you walk through Soho slash Chinatown slash Leicester Square, it's as if they are handing out free money, mm. the amount of people that are queuing around. Honestly, to walk down, you'll walk through it and there'll be people everywhere queuing for bubble tea. And I don't understand because if the flavour is not in the balls. What? How many options can there be? Mm. I don't get it. I also don't get why it's kind of spread out. So I live in Wimbledon, mm. right? Somewhere, would you think there'd be bubble tea? Yeah, non-paper, no. And what's just opened in the shopping centre <laughs> that has caused ruckus with... <laughs> the queuing system that also corresponds with Marks and Spencer, a bubble tea station. So, honestly, it's carnage. Yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I can't handle it. Yeah. Where am I going? Am I getting bubble tea? <laughs> no. I sometimes think that drinks
1: or foods become an almost, almost like an accessory. Like, you know when, like, takeaway coffee cups became a thing because we'd seen them in America, we'd all watched Ali McBeal, and, you know, they've got, a, like, a big tour thing, and then suddenly it was almost like people sort of, it was like the done thing to, you know, like young women with lots of shopping bags and they had, it's almost like they had to have a Starbucks cup or something with them. Guilty. Absolutely guilty. I feel the same thing with bubble tea to an extent. Like you see a lot of people with half drunk ones. Like there's not that many. (laughs) I don't see many empty ones. It's like with I notice often if you see a group of people drinking Aperol spritz in a pub, when they leave, there's a lot of half-full glasses of Aperol spritz because I think people like the idea of them more than the actual drink, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And I think that's the same.
0: Yes, they're almost a fashion accessory. You will see them, you're more likely to see a bubble tea being hoisted in the air and taken a photo of than drunk. Yes, exactly, yeah. I, had one, I actually have only ever had one. And I remember saying to my friend who is obsessed with it, I said, is this, is this supposed to happen with this drink? Is this what, is this like a Capri Sun that's gone moldy? And they, no, they were like, no, this is, you, you, so many questions. Do you bite the balls? Do you just swallow them? Who knows? But yes, bubble tea absolutely livid. I think it's a great choice. I just think it'd be
1: a really frustrating drink to have on the island as well it'd just be awful. So yeah, a good choice. Um okay. Now, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favorite film of all time and the <laughs> other is your least favorite song.
0: What are they and why? So my song, I don't even know if this is the name of the song, but it's the proclaimers and that one where they walk 5000 miles yeah and is that correct is that what it is i
1: think it's called i think it's called something like i want to be 500 miles i think it's is the official i think maybe the 500 miles is in brackets it's one of those in parentheses
0: oh is it not even 5000 if i made a- no 500 yeah god see, <laughs> i've just made it worse for myself so that is my song for many reasons one, I don't believe that they are not just two Rick Astleys. <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm being conned. The second one is I always get it confused. And this is this was a close second choice. I always get it confused, I think, because it was the, pa- the parody with the one that Peter Kay did. Oh, Amarillo. Yes. Amarillo. <laughs> Amarillo. Amarillo, yes, which I believe is similar. Yeah, they've
1: got a similar sort of like... You're at a wedding in a rugby club and, you know, the old people know, you know, get the old people on the dance floor kind of thing. It's that similar thing, isn't it? And and then it becomes a bit, I don't know, like a bit of an ironic fun thing for the youngsters
0: as well. And that's, yeah. yeah. It's exactly that thing. It's like, I might ironically enjoy it and then I will berate myself by the end of the song because Lord knows I actually probably did enjoy it genuinely. Um, I don't enjoy songs with that much repetition. I cannot bear the fact that they both sound the same. I don't enjoy it. It needs to leave. It also would remind me that I am probably 500 miles away from civilization. Um, It would be a cruel song for me and Rishi to sit and listen to. Um, I'd have to explain to Rishi Sunak who the proclaimers were. He wouldn't understand because he's only ever listened to like, you know, Music through gold speakers or something ridiculous. <laughs> Ginny would probably start performing it um, in some elaborate drag routine. No, it would cause mayhem. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things
1: where like someone's auntie will drag you onto the dance floor and be like, come on, it's just a bit of fun. And you're like, oh, God. And then maybe you think, okay, come on then. And then you catch sight of someone across the hall and they're just giving you like a withering, like, (laughs) oh, look at yourself. And you're like, I know, but I can't, Auntie Susan, I can't break her heart. (laughs) But it's, yeah, it's one of those, isn't it?
0: Yeah. It would be awful. And it's also the second, honestly, it has to be on for like more than two seconds and then it's in your head for the rest of the day. So if all I had on the island, it would just be in my head the whole time. And I would, Rishi would, yeah, Rishi would be pulling me onto the dance floor, to which I would, I'd have to, I'd have to drown myself, I think, actually, at that point. <laughs> okay. That's where we'd go. Um, don't even get me started on the film.
1: Well, I'm 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 going to get you started on the film.
0: <laughs> I have to. It's 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 my my role. <laughs> now this this isn't a specific film. This is just any film that's ever been made. So, from my deductions, I think it's quite a lot that has Adam Sandler in it. Okay, I don't know why, but one that's springing to mind is where he's playing golf. Is that correct? Yeah, Happy Gilmore. Thank you. Yes, um, he is. The, and again, I don't know him personally but for me he is just the epitome of like just like male mediocrity um and i find his humor deeply unchallenging mm. this is the thing with me if i want if i think someone's funny they have to work for it mm. i like people who are funny but think about it he yeah. thinks he's funny but he's actually incredibly boring and it's it's like listening to a a small tiny boy child think he's funny and he's he's invariably not Mm. but he appears to be in every single film between approximately 1995
1: 2007 yeah i mean he had he had a couple of sort of notable hits that did well for him and i think happy gilmore i think isn't the worst of his crimes but i mean there are a lot that Basically, on my twenty first, I think it was my twenty first birthday. I remember staying up all night, and then someone put Happy Gilmore on in the morning when we were taking mushrooms. And so I've, I've got a good association <laughs> with it. But as you said, he didn't have to try very hard to make me laugh at that point. So, you know. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, there's some of the films that he's done that have been so bad. Like I think the, the comedian Richard Herring always goes on about one where it something like the plot is he's a cobbler and. He makes a pair of shoes. There was something like any pair of shoes he cobbles, he manages to put on and it takes him back to that person. Or he has a magic pair, something just insane where you're like, (laughs) How many rounds of like I know how long it takes to get a film signed off. You know, the process is very long and complicated. How the fuck
0: did this sneak through? (laughs) That's the thing. These films do not just happen in a day, they take millions of years. The film here that I've just seen the picture of and it's brought back an incredibly awful memory of childhood where I used to have to, I used to go and watch football every weekend. Mm -hmm. Surprise. Um, To my dad's attempts to try and create a bond. Um, But what I did instead was I requested that we have one of those DVD players that straps to all of the headrests and just like float in the middle of the room. Uh, of the car awful and this we used to i used to watch big daddy Mm. which i've just seen here has him in which upon reflection as an adult now is a film about him treating a child incredibly poorly and should definitely have been reported to child protection services (laughs) the the poster of this child is him and a small child urinating against a public building (laughs) i don't i don't believe in that and this one here called The Water Boy, which I can deduce is literally about someone who provides refreshments for a football team. <laughs> right. You've got, um,
1: let's say you've got a lovely box set of uh, Adam Sandler films to keep you company. Yeah. All right, then, um Jamie, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why?
0: Mm, I was going to say Rishi Sunak again, but it is, in fact... <laughs> A giraffe.
1: A giraffe. Because, I mean, you know, they're quite, you know, it's a majestic animal, got lovely, I think very pretty animal, lovely eyes. I think they're a very attractive animal. <laughs> but, I mean, you probably disagree.
0: What's your beef with giraffes? What you and giraffes get up to in your spare time is <laughs> none of my business, but it's the tongue for me. Oh, yes. Also, I chose it because I'm aware that all of the people on the island will be incredibly short. mm and so, actually, although I'm not that short, but I definitely am taller than Rishi Sunak. But it would be terrifying for uh, Rishi. I would not appreciate it because it would just get in the way. It would be disproportionate. <laughs> how is it gonna? How is it gonna watch the Adam Sandler films with me? Um, <laughs> how can I get rid of the Turkish delight if it's all the way up there? Who knows? It would have its uses. It could help me get the coconuts down when Rishi fails to climb the tree. Yeah, but no. They are. I I will grant them that they are very nice to look at. Hmm. Very fun. Is it a horse? No. <laughs> That's not. Jenny um, could give it a ride. Lots hmm. of fun with it. If we got bored, we could maybe skin it and wear it as a as a nice coat. Um, I'm joking. <laughs> that is not what I would do. But um, too disproportionate. Imagine we as human beings had necks that long. We live Yeah. I mean, they're absolutely mad-looking things. I
1: mean. As much as I like them, the idea of being surrounded by them on an island would be terrifying because, yeah, they're enormous and you don't know what they get. It's like, you know, you know, when you're next to a horse and you just say, God, there's such a big, powerful thing. What if it kicks me or steps on me? And that's like mega horse. It's too big. <laughs> it's just like even like its back is what must be like 15 feet high or something. It's just I mean, they're such such insane things. I mean, they're quite funny when you see them all running. You know there's the 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 weird sort of gait that they have to adopt because of their massive neck, but if you're on a tiny <laughs> island and you see a group of giraffes running there's you think they're probably going to quickly come round the other out, other end of the island and they're just running
0: at you in a huge stampede so yeah, yeah. very scary Rishi Sudak would not know what to do in that situation no. he'd get kicked he'd be the one that would he'd have he, he, although he's got all this you know money this worldly experience, he would have no idea he'd be like wow let's go and investigate the legs of this animal and then would get kicked into the sea yeah yeah which maybe is the reason for giraffes to remain on the island but yeah no i agree imagine them running at you I know. Livid.
1: Terrible. Terrible. And it's a good a very good suggestion. It's a, one of the more unique suggestions for an animal on the island that I've had in a while and I think it's a a very sound one. So uh, well done. And I think you know your your selections throughout have been very good as well. I think this is a a particularly complicated and tricky island to spend time on and I think you're going to have a shit time there. So well done. Thank
0: you so much. So but um is it the Isle of Wight? Is that where we're going? <laughs>
1: Now, Jamie, thank you for coming. What what are you up to at the minute that people would
0: like to keep in touch with you about? A lovely question. Um, You can find me on the Instagrams and on the Twitters, Jamie underscore Windust. Um, My book came out in October 2020, which was a lovely time during a global pandemic to have a book uh, released into the world. Um, So you can find that wherever you find your good books. It's called In Their Shoes. And at the moment, I'm just having a lovely time entering the broadcasting world. Very fun. Very enjoyable. Um, what are you up to? What am I up to? You have a plug.
1: <laughs> well, I do a podcast called Desert Island Dicks, which uh, we do most weeks. And uh, the rest yeah. of the time, I mainly work from home and um, you know, look after two
0: children. And where can people find this podcast?
1: They can find it uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Dickspod or wherever you get your podcast from. And it would be brilliant if they
0: liked and subscribed.
1: That would be lovely. Yeah, yeah. I usually add a little plea at the beginning and end of this, but I mean, I think <laughs> having the guest does it, gives it extra weight. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'll be livid if they
0: don't. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me. It's been a treat. It's
1: been an absolute pleasure, Jamie. Thank you for coming on Desert Island Dicks. No worries. So there you go, Jamie Windus there on Desert Island Dicks. I hope you enjoyed that. It was a joy recording it with them. And um, you know what? I'm just I'm just really in the mood for keeping these little things succinct at the minute. I think uh, if you're a regular listener, you'll have heard me, you know, spout on the usual stuff. Um, you know about finding us on socials at DixPod on Twitter and Instagram, or getting in touch with us, slash contact um, If you're a new listener, well, I've just told you everything there. And you know, let's just go about our days and um we'll be back with more desert Island islandics and another spectacular guest very soon indeed thank you very much for listening bye
0: Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with
1: an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne